When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Three, two, one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer. Jim Calhoun, NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here we go. Welcome in, everybody. Episode 290 of the podcast that is sweeping America. The Air Tour Sports Podcast. It is Tuesday, September 8th, 2020, people. And I hope everybody had a great Labor Day weekend. As you can probably hear in my voice, I absolutely had a great one. Uh, went to the beach on Sunday. Maybe had a, a little too much fun. You can probably hear it in my voice. But I am back. I am recording here. Uh, I guess it's Monday afternoon. We will go back to three episodes a week following this Labor Day weekend. But I felt like with most people not working on Monday with my buddy Nick Roush who helps me edit this podcast taking the day off. I wanted to give him some time to enjoy the holiday and I figured that today would be a good day. We'll go Tuesday, Thursday of this week and then we'll get back to the Monday, Tuesday, Thursday schedule next week. But Great show, so much to get into. I hope all of you had a great Labor Day weekend. Uh, and as I said, just great to have college football back. It was not the traditional Labor Day weekend, but it was, in fact, still college football on our airwaves. We got Army Middle Tennessee. We got Memphis, Arkansas State. We get BYU Navy on Monday night. I'm actually recording right before BYU Navy. Have to go in to host Fox Sports Radio tonight. But great weekend of college football, and it's ramping up, baby. It is ramping up. We get some ACC teams playing this weekend, get some Big 12 teams playing this weekend, and of course, in a couple weeks, the SEC will kick off. So the big boys come into town. Clemson plays this weekend, Texas, Oklahoma, on and on and on. It is starting to feel like football season. So let's get into today's show. Because I do feel like we have spent so much time talking about some of the negative around the sport, the Big Ten, the Pac-12, that it is time to focus on some of the positives. So I will say, I am going to start with the Big Ten. There were not a ton of updates from this weekend, but there were a couple newsworthy things that I do think were relevant and important, so we'll get into that. And then some actual football, because again... I do not want to dwell on all of the teams and all of the schools and all of the school presidents who messed this up. 
I want to give credit to the teams taking the field, so I will get into my college football playoff predictions, my national champion. I'll give you a few bold takes or opinions, and then we will wrap the show with a segment that I have done quite a bit over the years. A really fun segment. It's called Where Aaron Was Right, Where Aaron Was Wrong. I have basically hijacked it from my buddy Colin Cowherd, but basically... I go back. Uh, it's been a crazy, surreal, wild summer. I've said a lot on this show. I've predicted a lot. Some has come true. Some hasn't. So we'll go over some of the good stuff that AT said and some of the not good stuff AT said. And one thing that you guys know about me and I think you respect about me is that I never am the type of person that will not admit when I'm wrong. Sometimes I just got to take L's. And trust me, I took some L's this summer, baby. But Let's get into today's show. Before we get started, I want to remind everybody, please make sure that you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. You could do it on iTunes. You could do it on the Podcast Addict app if you have an Android. The Podcast Addict app is the way to go. Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Give us a quick five stars. Trent VH fan chimed in with a rating and review. Here is what Trent VH said. Favorite podcast. I listen to several podcasts per week, but none of them compare to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. His knowledge and enthusiasm are unmatched by any. I appreciate you adding a third episode. Keep up the great work. Trent also mentions that there was one time apparently when I was in Vegas where he was supposed to meet me, but he was a little too sick to make it, which happens. We all get sick in Vegas sometimes, Trent. No big deal. But thank you for chiming in. And please, if you guys haven't already, make sure to give us a rating or review. It does help us move up the iTunes charts. Make sure you're following on all the social media platforms at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter. I will mention I'm adding a, a Twitter page for this show, for content from this show. I will have details this coming week, but make sure that you follow that one as well. I believe it'll be at Aaron Torres Podcast. Find me on Instagram, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. If you have questions for the show, Aaron Torres Podcast Questions at gmail.com. And finally, Cameo. If you got friends, family, people that listen to this show, Go ahead and find me on Cameo, cameo.com uh, backslash Aaron underscore Torres. I can make a personalized video for them, congratulating them on a birthday, a wedding, an anniversary, whatever you want. You can get a personalized gift from me, cameo.com slash Aaron underscore Torres. Uh, and yeah, I make killer cameos, made one for a listener of this show already. So find me on Cameo if you need a personalized video. And with that said, people, let's stop wasting time. It's football season. No more time to waste. Let's get into it. And, you know, I just got to start by saying it felt great on Saturday to tune into some football. Again, I know that for some people, you're waiting for your Kentucky Wildcats, your Tennessee Vols, your Alabama Crimson Tide, your Oklahoma Sooners, your Louisville Cardinals, whoever is your team, you're waiting for them to take the field. It did still feel good on Labor Day weekend to have a couple games on. And look, I'd be lying if I said I watched Arkansas Memphis with, with a keen eye and I was paying extra close attention. But I do think that when I look at this weekend as a whole, it just felt great to turn on the TV. And after five, six, seven months of trying to figure out where, where we were going, both as a society, as sports, everything, it just felt great to turn on the TV and see games. I actually tweeted this and I believe it. 
I thought it was extra fitting that Army was playing. Um, Army, of course, uh, we know what they're about. We know what they stand for. And to see Army on the field, it felt good, right? No fear, no concern. If there's concern, you hide it and you press forward. I think that's a good metaphor for society. So seeing Army on the field, I think, made me feel really good about having college football back. I'm sure Navy will make me feel the same way. And I am sure, by the way, that as this week goes on and we get some ACC and Big 12 schools, we're going to feel even better. But I did think that Army thing was symbolic of in a time of fear, they strapped up their helmets and they said, let's go play some football. I loved it. And uh, let's get into what was the topics of the weekend. And unfortunately, one place that they are not playing football is the Big Ten. And it's really sad because I did think after recording the last episode that last Thursday, I thought there was some real movement that might get us uh, Big Ten football back on the field sooner rather than later. The first big thing was that in Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, the governor, the lady I call Cruella DeVille, she came out and reversed an ordinance that did not allow high school football in the state of Michigan. I've been over all this. I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But when you look at the Big Ten footprint, Ohio's playing high school football. Um, Ohio's playing high school football. Pennsylvania's playing high school football. Indiana has Notre Dame playing college football in their footprint. Iowa State in the Big 12 is playing in the Big Ten footprint. And so Michigan was really the big state, the battleground, if you will, where the line had been drawn in the sand and where the governor said, no, we don't want college football. We don't want high school football. She was the woman that actually came out a few weeks ago and said that she was proud of the Big Ten for canceling football and, and taking a stand against uh, putting you know uh, uh, athletics ahead of the health and safety of its players, which was nonsense. But the fact that she reversed course on this, I thought was a great sign for Big Ten football because to me, it felt like, okay, Michigan remains the biggest hurdle, the biggest battleground state. And if she's not going to block high school football, I don't believe that she will block college football as well, and maybe this thing will get close. Also on Thursday, we got that news out of the Pac-12 where there is going to be instant testing for people who did not see this story. And if you, if you listen to this podcast, you care about college football, so I'm guessing you did see the story. But the Pac-12 basically has said that they hope by the end of September to have basically an instant test. You can test daily. It's cheap. You get the results in 15 minutes. And then you can safely practice, you can safely let kids in the facility knowing that no one is positive. And if someone is positive, you, of course, quarantine them and move on. So those were two things that I thought were really, really good. And even as it pertains to the Pac-12 thing, I didn't think it necessarily was going to impact the Pac-12 because they, of course, uh, are in a different deal than, than the Big Ten. I've said it many times. The Pac-12 has several programs that aren't even on campus right now. It has several teams that are not on campus right now. And even the teams on campus, like USC, like UCLA, they can't get into the facility. So while I didn't think this Pac-12 testing could help the Pac-12, it did seem like a good sign for the Big Ten because the Big Ten, their biggest issue this whole time has been about how quickly they could test, how often they could test, and now that does not appear to be a hurdle or it will not be within the month if everything goes to plan according to the Pac-10, Pac-12, excuse me. So that was the good news. 
Unfortunately, there was some bad news too. And unfortunately, like I said, there was no real movement. As I record here about six o'clock Eastern time on Monday, we still don't know if or when uh, Big Ten football will be back. And the latest hurdle appears to be your boy, Mark Schlissel. You guys know who Mark Schlissel is? He sounds like a you-know-what, a nerd. Well, he kind of is. He is the president of the University of Michigan, and there were multiple reports over the course of this weekend that Mark Schlissel, the president of Michigan, is the guy that is holding up this whole process for the Big Ten. He is a guy that is very much fighting behind the scenes. He does not believe college football should happen. And a report from Sports Illustrated even went so far as to say, even if the rest of the Big Ten approves college football or if a handful of schools approve football in October, he may still hold out Michigan even while a school like Ohio State or Penn State or Iowa or Nebraska would be playing. And so those are the reports. Those are the rumors. And I'll tell you this. If you've been listening to this podcast, you should not be surprised. I've talked a lot about what is going on in Michigan. I just talked about Gretchen Whitmer, Cruella DeVille, who up until about a week ago refused to have high school football in her state and applauded the Big Ten for canceling college football. But if you listen to this podcast, and I know you guys do, and I appreciate your support, Mark Schlissel is another guy who is uh, you know, one of the big roadblocks, and he has been for a while. This is not new news. We should not be surprised by this because if you've been listening to this show, we can go all the way back to May when Mark Schlissel came out and basically said, look, if we can't have students on campus, then we're not playing football, and really has been one of the outspoken guys about having fans in the stands. And early on in this process, April, May, June, was really one of the big voices saying, like, there's no way we can have college football. And it's funny, right? Like, you remember those days. Remember, like, mid-May, late April, when we had all these people every week, it felt like one school president, one governor was saying, we're not going to be able to do college football. We're not going to be able to have fans in the stands. And we would all collectively, as a, a group of fans in college sports, say, wait a second now. It's May 11th. It's April 28th. Why are we trying to put our foot down and say what we will or will not be able to do in September? Mark Schlissel was one of those guys that was constantly making headlines in April, in May, for his negativity and for his belief that college football probably would not be safe to happen and certainly would not be safe to happen if there were fans in the stands. It is worth mentioning he has a background in infectious disease, and he is a guy that very much has made his career in that field. And so, listen, on the one hand, I will say... He is a guy whose voice did carry weight with those Big Ten, uh, Big Ten school presidents. If you read up on all this stuff, it appears as though he was one of the most vocal people against Big Ten football, but also one of the most well-respected people in the room because of his background. The counterpoint is pretty much everything, <laughs> every negative reason to not play college football has been proven to be false. Remember, when the Big Ten canceled college football, they were afraid, hey, what happens when players start tackling and blocking? There's going to be an increase in infections. What happens when students come back? There's going to be an increase in infections. What happens when uh, teams travel? There's going to be an increase in infections. And so far, we have not seen that. Uh, Central Arkansas and Austin P played the first game of the season. Both teams traveled to Alabama to play. They had a combined zero tests both before the game and after the game. Michigan, by the way, how about the University of Michigan, this place that Mark Schlissel calls home, his kingdom, his fiefdom, 
They announced last week that not a single player tested positive in the entire program in the month of August. We are not seeing case increases. Now, look, we are seeing moments here and there. Tennessee had to cancel a scrimmage on, on Saturday because eight or nine players caught it, and because of contact tracing, uh, about 40 players were held out for precaution. We saw TCU did have to cancel their game against SMU, but for the most part, this is successful. And by the way, we never said it was going to be 100% successful. No one ever said there was never going to be positive cases. But if you look across college football, it's mostly been successful. Central Arkansas has not only played once, they've played twice. Small schools that we thought were going to struggle to keep athletes healthy because they didn't have the resources of the ACC, SEC, and Big 12 are successful. South Alabama, Southern Miss, UAB, Central Arkansas, Austin P. they all played this weekend. So while Schlissel, the president of, of uh, Michigan, he does have respect in the room, and he, he should have respect in the room because of his background, a lot of what he said has been proven to be false. And by the way, that's okay. Experts get stuff wrong all the time. It's why when you have an injury medically, you go get a second opinion, a third opinion, because sometimes doctors are wrong. And I think it's pretty indisputable that at this point, Schlissel has been wrong on this. It's ironic that all of this happened over the last couple days, that Mark Schlissel has a, emerged as a guy that appears to be holding up the Big Ten, because it's also worth noting that there was a protest on Michigan's campus with the players, with the parents, with the fans, and of course with the coaches on Saturday. And I will add this. I give Jim Harbaugh a ton of credit. If you follow me on Twitter at Aaron underscore Torres, I shared this story, but it is worth noting that Jim Harbaugh not only marched with his players, but I think said one of the most important things that has been said so far in terms of getting Big Ten football back sooner rather than later. Jim Harbaugh was asked, I shared this video, he was asked how soon you would need to be ready to play football. He said, us? He goes, we've, we've been going at it since June. We've had our kids back on campus since June. We would be ready to play in two weeks. Jim Harbaugh said, we will be ready to play in two weeks, okay? And so when I look at this situation, I'm sorry. I give Jim Harbaugh so much credit. This guy that gets so much criticism, he has been one of the most outspoken people against the Big Ten, against his own governor, against his own school president saying, you guys are wrong. We can play college football. And by the way, we have the facts to back it up. Zero positive tests the entire month of August. That matters. That should be considered when making these decisions. I give him credit. Scout Frost is another one who has been very outspoken about this, but I thought that was such an important moment in time for college football and for specifically the Big Ten, right? Because you get all these leaked reports, certain reporters are telling you that this school can't do this and that school can't do that. And well, Jim Harbaugh just came out and said, we could be ready to go in two weeks. Do not let us be the reason that you think you need to hold it up. If some reporter says that Big Ten schools can't be ready, don't include Michigan in that list because Michigan is ready to play. Michigan can play in two weeks from now. We will be ready to go. Don't even think about considering us as a team that could hold up this season. You want us to play, you tell us who, what, when, where, why. And I give Jim Harbaugh so much credit for that because if you think about it, you could actually make the case that Jim Harbaugh, maybe more than any other coach, has more to lose because of the fact that this is probably going to be the best Ohio State team since he actually got to Michigan. 
And Jim Harbaugh could easily say, like, yeah, you know, I don't know. Maybe we should push back to the spring knowing that Justin Fields will be gone, that so many of Ohio State's stars will be gone. And instead, Jim Harbaugh said, tell us when and where. We want to play. Sign us up. Let's get to work. And so when I look at this whole situation, I give Jim Harbaugh a bunch of credit, and I will just say that I, I will be curious to see what the next steps are. It does not appear as though anything is imminent with the Big Ten. And I think what's increasingly likely is something that I talked about a little bit on the last episode, which is the possibility that we get potentially an early Big Ten season in October without the entire Big Ten. As I told you last week, Rutgers is in the hot spot of the country in New York, and they just might not feel ready to go. Greg Schiano, first-year head coach, maybe he wants another year to get his program in, to get his guys in place, um, and maybe it doesn't make sense for Rutgers to play. There's been reports that Illinois might not play. I don't really understand why Illinois. They were actually testing their players more than any school in the Big Ten at one point. Lovey Smith wanted to play. Northwestern, maybe another school, private school, they're one that has since removed uh, students from campus. Maybe they don't play. And as I said a minute ago, Mark Schlissel, the president of Michigan, is saying, I don't, I don't really want my guys to play, and I'm even willing to hold them out if we can go in October. And so I bring all this up because I say I think it's increasingly likely that uh, if we get a Big Ten season early, it's not going to include everybody. And by the way, I will say, if we had an October Big Ten season without Michigan, there's a 100% chance Mark Schlissel, Mark Schlissel will lose his job because, uh, yeah, you don't hold out Michigan when Ohio State, Penn State, and Wisconsin are playing. But I think that is what is increasingly likely. We may get a Big Ten season without all the Big Ten teams. But I also think there's a real possibility that we do not get Big Ten football as early as we want. I thought uh, I, I, there was a few things interesting that happened last week. First of all, the fact that there's been no movement at all, to me, does not uh, portend, if you will, to a good sign as far as the Big Ten coming back early. When the president of the United States gets on the phone and says, we got to get football back, and that doesn't grease the wheels, that doesn't get things going, to me, that's not a positive sign. And the other thing I would say, I thought there was a really interesting moment with Larry Scott, the commissioner of the Pac-12 last week, where he said, look, we want the Big Ten to be on the same schedule as us. We want the Big Ten champ and the Pac-12 champ to play in the Rose Bowl and maybe get a few other bowl games whenever we can get back on the field. And look, I think from the Pac-12's perspective, it makes total sense. The Pac-12, like I said, there are a lot of teams in that footprint that they're not going to be ready to play anytime soon, right? Like the, uh, the Big Ten can reasonably play football as early as early October. The Pac-12 can't. As I said on last show, USC, UCLA, Stanford, Cal, not allowed in their facilities as of right now. Oregon, their players aren't even on campus right now because they're on the quarter system and their actual fall quarter doesn't begin until the end of September. And so realistically, the Pac-12 cannot start in October. And so what I think they're trying to do is convince the Big Ten to wait with them until Thanksgiving and play late. The Pac-12, say what you want, but the worst thing that could happen, the perception is so bad as it is. Imagine if the four power conferences are playing by early October and the Pac-12 is the only one that can't. So I think they're really trying to pressure the Big Ten, and they're really trying to say to the Big Ten, like, look, we went to bat for you. We were by your side when you decided to cancel season. Now you got to throw us a bone. Now you got to wait. Either way, I think it'll be interesting. Either way, it continues to be as the Big Ten turns. But as I just said a minute ago, 
Um, there is no new news since I last recorded on Thursday, but I do believe that it feels increasingly likely that if we do get a Big Ten season, that it will be without some teams. I do hope that Michigan is not one of them because, again, I give Jim Harbaugh just so much credit for being willing to go to bat and being willing to fight for his guys and, and say, like, look, we're going to be ready to go. You let us know when you need us on the field. We will be ready to play. We could be ready to play two weeks from now. I give him so much credit. I'll just be curious to see if that can actually hold up over the course of time. All right, I do want to get into some, oh, I don't know, actual football stuff. I want to get into some actual football stuff because I do think this show has become so focused on the off-the-field stuff, the drama, everything going on in the Big Ten that I think it'll be nice to just talk a little football. And so what I want to do is obviously, look, as I said, ACC Big 12 games are going to start being played this week. They're all non-con this week for the most part. A couple ACC games. Big 12 has some out-of-conference games. And then by September 26th, all of the major college football teams will be playing. And who knows? Maybe even the Big 10. But we're not going to worry about the Big 10. And right now we're going to focus on who's playing. And so what I want to do is go ahead and give you the teams that I believe will make the college football playoff. I want to talk about my playoff picks. I'm going to give you a few bold predictions. We'll wrap with where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong, and we'll get out of here. But like I said, too much negativity. It's time for some positive vibes only. And it's time to, you know what it really is time to, honestly, guys and girls? It's time to actually give credit to the schools that are willing to play. Time to actually give credit to those that fought back from the negativity, took care of their players, took care of their coaches, and safely resumed football. So it is time to, to talk about my picks to make the college football playoff. And I should mention, by the way, the caveat being there is no Big Ten team in this. But if somehow the Big Ten does get back on the field in early October, if they can compete for a Big Ten title and a college football playoff berth, I would expect Ohio State to not only be in the mix, but possibly the national championship favorite if they can get a season going. But as I record here, September 8th, September 7th, really, you're listening on September 8th, they have not committed to playing, and so I can only go based on the teams that are playing. Four teams, alphabetical order. Let's start with the shocker of all shockers, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Yes, I know. Very, very, very predictable. I apologize, but I do believe that Alabama is going to reclaim its throne as the best team in the SEC this year and get back to the college football playoff. I think, first of all, for all, <laughs> it's incredible, right? For all the doom and gloom of last year, Alabama still finished 11 and 2. Not only did they finish 11 and 2, they beat Texas A&M. They beat all. Uh, they beat. They didn't beat Auburn. They beat Mississippi State. They they they, they beat a lot of good teams. 11-2, they beat Michigan in a bowl game. 11-2 is a season that will get almost any other coach in America a raise, and it was seen as a disappointment at Alabama. And what you have to remember is if Tua had just stayed healthy, they probably would have made the college football playoff because, remember, they were in position had they beat Auburn to potentially get that fourth seed over Oklahoma. Instead, they lose. But I think that when you look at Alabama, a couple things come to mind with me. First of all, there's so much talk about like, oh, you know, Mac Jones, is he really the answer at quarterback? And people are already talking about Alabama has another quarterback behind him, a freshman named Bryce Young. Is he going to get the job? Should he get the job? And what I would tell you is very simply this. For all the Mac Jones negativity, he was actually pretty good when he played last year. 45 points against Auburn, the defense let him down, they lost, and then 35 points against Michigan in the bowl game. 
And so I think when you get solid quarterback play with maybe the best group of running backs in college football, Najee Harris is back, and an improved defense, that is going to be the difference. That is, I think, the big difference this year. If you remember back to last year with Alabama, it was probably the worst defense of the Nick Saban era in Tuscaloosa. Gave up 46 points to LSU. As I said, gave up 48 points to Auburn. But instead... That defense returns a ton of pieces. Their best player, Dylan Moses, who was the leader of that defense, got hurt in the preseason last year. He is back. He is healthy. He is a first-round pick. And I think that defense is much improved. I think the offense is really good. And so because of it, I like Alabama in the first spot in AT's college football Final Four. Second choice, another shocker. How about your Clemson Tigers, okay? So Clemson, um, look, it's really pretty simple, right? They're still in the ACC. They still have Trevor Lawrence, they still have Dabo Sweeney, and they are by far the most talented team in that league. It's a little bit different this year because Notre Dame is there, they do have to play at Notre Dame, and then they would potentially have to play Notre Dame again in a conference championship game, but Clemson is far and away the class of this conference, maybe the class of all of college football, which we'll get into in a minute. I just don't see the scenario where they don't do what they need to do to make the college football playoff, barring obviously something happening to Trevor Lawrence, and God forbid he plays the season, he's healthy, everything like that. I'm not going to get into negativity. All I'm saying is if Trevor Lawrence is healthy, Clemson's making the college football playoff. Uh, Third team, this is alphabetical order. A little bit of a shocker, maybe not, maybe it is. I do like the Georgia Bulldogs, and I'll tell you this, I have been about as critical of Kirby Smart as anyone on the national scale. The stat that I always use Georgia believes they are in, they're knocking on the door of Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson territory, and yet Kirby Smart now 0-4 against Nick Saban and Ed Orgeron, three of those losses coming in the state of Georgia, okay? Two of them to Alabama and Atlanta, one of them to LSU and Alabama, and so to me, or to, excuse me, two to Alabama in Atlanta, one to LSU in Atlanta. And so I do think, even though they've been knocking on the door, this is the year. One disadvantage that Georgia has coming into the season, they do actually have Alabama on the schedule. I do feel kind of bad for Kirby Smart because the year where there is going to be a more clear path for a second SEC team, he has to play Alabama in the regular season, and then win or lose, he's going to have to play them again in the conference championship game. And so there's a reality that Georgia will probably have to beat, maybe, I don't even want to say probably, maybe have to beat Alabama at least once, but I think even if they don't, you can make a really strong case for Georgia. I think they'll go undefeated against the rest of their schedule. They get Auburn early. I like Georgia. They get uh, they, they don't have LSU on the schedule, and if you look at Florida, historically, they have been really good uh, against Florida under Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart is now, I believe, I don't believe, I know he is, or at least he's 3-0 in the last three years, but really if you go back to his time at Alabama as the defensive coordinator going against Dan Mullen's offenses, he has always had success, Georgia has always dominated, I don't believe that Florida is the team that's going to get over Georgia this year, so right now I will put Georgia in the college football playoff, uh, because I do like the defense. And I do think JT Daniels, the transfer quarterback from USC, is probably better than people give him credit for. Fourth team, I don't think this is any big shocker either, but it is the Oklahoma Sooners. You say what you want about what they have done in the college football playoff, but this is a team that has won five straight Big 12 titles. And not only has won five straight Big 12 titles, but 
on top of five straight Big 12 titles, three straight college football playoff appearances, and really, in two of them, they played pretty well. Last year, they got embarrassed by LSU. If you remember, it was like 49-7 to at halftime or something. But the year before, they lose to Alabama, but Alabama scored like on its first four drives, and then from basically the middle of the second quarter to the end of the game, Oklahoma basically played with Alabama. They just got down too early, too, too fast. And the year before was the game against Georgia in the Rose Bowl that they very easily could have won. So because of that, I do believe that Oklahoma will again win the Big 12 and again make the college football playoff. And what I'll say is as far as a national champion, I'm just not betting against Clemson. Clemson has the best quarterback. Clemson has the best player in college football. They have the most depth. And because of it, I just look at their scenario, they are also, like Alabama, coming into the season motivated. Remember, there were a lot of players on that roster who had never lost a single game in college until that national championship game against LSU. They went undefeated the year before, they were 14-0 coming into that LSU game, and hadn't tasted defeat. And so I think for the season to end that way, for Trevor Lawrence's uh, season to end that way, he had some extra motivation going into the offseason, and I do think, look, the guy clearly wants to play college football, he clearly wants to leave a legacy, if he did not want to play, he would not be playing right now, he would be training for the NFL draft, so because of it, I do like Clemson to beat Georgia in the national championship game. All right, a couple bold predictions to go along with my college football Final Four. And one of them does relate to Clemson, so let's get into a couple bold predictions. The first one is this. I actually think Clemson is going to lose an ACC game at some point this season. Don't know to who, don't know how, but I believe it will happen. First of all, they do have to play at Notre Dame. And as I mentioned on last episode or two episodes ago, I can't even remember, Notre Dame will have fans in the stands. It's going to be students, and obviously it won't be 100% capacity, but they do have to go to Notre Dame. It'll be late in the year. The weather will be cold. And Notre Dame's still a good team. I mean, everyone wants to crush Notre Dame. They've won 10-plus games the last three years. They went 11-2 last year. They made the college football playoff the year before. They're like one of the five or six best programs in the country. Now, they've struggled against Alabama. They've struggled against Clemson. They've struggled against Georgia. They've struggled in the big games. But they are a pretty consistently good program. And I do think the possibility is that Clemson going into the cold weather, probably a night game at Notre Dame, like I can see the scenario where they lose there. But really it goes beyond that. And where it goes to is this, is that I think that the ACC is probably a little bit better than people realize this year. Uh, It was funny. I I was talking on the phone a few days ago with my buddy Nick Coffey. He's been on the show a million times. And we were talking about the ACC. And Nick obviously lives in ACC country, uh, covers Louisville, knows a lot more about ACC football than I do. But what we were talking about is if you kind of look at these rosters, there's really not a lot of bad teams in the AC. There might be nobody that's really, really good, like the way that the SEC has maybe two, three, four teams that can make the playoff if you include Georgia and Alabama with A&M, Florida, whoever. Um, But they don't have any really bad teams ever either. Syracuse is pretty bad. Boston College is pretty bad. But Pitt plays real defense. North Carolina gave UNC or North Carolina gave Clemson all sorts of trouble last year. Louisville can score a ton of points. And so you look across the ACC, there are teams that can trip up Clemson going into this season. I don't know who it'll be, but one of my bold predictions is they do lose one game this year. Let's stay in kind of the, um, you know, really good team stuff. And another bold prediction I have is that I just mentioned a minute ago, I think Georgia makes college football playoff, but I do think a big debate can emerge 
because I do think that we will get a group of five team, which is the non-power conferences, that has a chance to be undefeated. And if an undefeated group of five team cannot make the college football playoff this year, then they may never. Because you look at the fact that there's only three power conferences, at the most you can have three undefeated teams. Realistically, you're probably not even going to get that. And so when I look at it, is this the year that a group of five team actually makes the playoff? I'm going to say no. I picked Georgia. But Central Florida, one of the top offensive teams in college football last year, they bring back virtually their entire offense. They can score a ton of points. Their quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, is back. They could be undefeated. Cincinnati, Luke Fickle, they play real defense. They could be undefeated. And so when I look at those two teams specifically, I could see a scenario where one of those two teams finishes undefeated, and if they are, I think they will be in the conversation for a college football playoff berth. Last bowl prediction. I mentioned that I like Oklahoma to win the Big 12. Surprise, surprise, everybody does. But beyond Oklahoma, there's actually one team that I like that nobody's talking about. Everybody's focused in the Big 12 on Texas. Don't know if you remember, Texas was terrible last year. Everyone, oh, this is the year Texas bounced back. They're better than not. Texas ain't back. Stop it. Stop it. Texas is not back. Stop telling me that they're back. Texas is not back. Oklahoma State people are trying to hype up. They do return basically everybody off of last year's team, including starting quarterback, Chuba Hubbard, the running back, um, star wide receiver, Tylen Hill. But like when I look at Oklahoma State, I just don't know that I believe in Mike Gundy. Like we, We've gone down this road with Oklahoma State before where every two to three years, they're really, really, really good. By the way, it's Tylen Wallace, not Tylen Hill. But Ty, Ty, I think I was thinking of Tyreek Hill, Tylen Wallace. But um, look, we go through this, this song and dance with Oklahoma State every few years. Oh, you know, this is the year. Could they actually beat Oklahoma? And they never do. So I'm not a buyer in Oklahoma State. What I am a buyer in, however, is this. Watch out for Iowa State, okay? And you might think I'm crazy. Iowa State, they've never been relevant in football in any of our lives. But they went 7-6 last year. Three of their losses were by three points or less. So as easily as they were 7-6, they could have been 9-4. But they actually had a very explosive offense. This stat will shock you guys. You know who had the highest rated passing attack in the Big 12 last year? Wasn't Oklahoma with Jalen Hurts. Wasn't Oklahoma State with what they do. Wasn't Texas, TCU, Texas Tech. It was actually Iowa State. So Iowa State brings back its starting quarterback, passing attack, and oh, by the way, they have a really good defense that returns nine starters. So I think Iowa State will be the second best team in the Big 12, maybe even a dark horse playoff contender when you talk about a team that could sneak in as the second place team, or maybe they pull off an upset of Oklahoma in the college or in the Big 12 championship game. Should mention, by the way, Iowa State really tough opener against University of Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, who are actually very good this year. But Iowa State, that is my bold prediction. They are the second best team in the Big 12. I know, no crazy bold predictions, but the thing you need to remember, this is college football. Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma are just basically better than everybody else. And so I can't go too bold because I'm not going to say like UFC's, UCF's going to like win the national championship. Like I don't believe that. So I'm not going to go there. But those are the three bold predictions. Finally, all right, we're going to get out of here on this. I do want to do another segment of where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. And as I mentioned off the top, um, you know, this segment is kind of a, a knockoff of what Colin Cowherd does. Colin's a friend of mine. I've been on his show. Uh, and he does this thing every week where he does where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. And basically, like, you know, he goes over a couple topics where it's like, yeah, dude, I nailed that. 
but then a couple topics where he's like, dude, I just whiffed. And I think it's a fun segment. And I think, as I said off the top, one thing that you guys appreciate about me is that I'm not afraid to own it when I miss on something. I'm not afraid to own it when I suck and I make a bad prediction. And I think it'll be a good way to kind of wrap up the summer, right? Because when I started doing this podcast after the NCAA tournament was canceled, I had no idea where sports were going. I had, you know, I I was making predictions based on what I heard, based on what I thought, based on people I was talking to in college athletics, but you didn't really know. And so I think this will be a fun way to wrap up a busy offseason. Um, and we'll talk a little bit of, and it'll be a good way too to get, break up college football. It's going to be a lot of college football, but it's going to be a lot of other stuff as well. And so I want to start with a non-college football one where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. Let's start with where Aaron was right. If you remember, I think it was probably right before 4th of July, late June, somewhere in there. Um, I, I said that I was in Vegas and I looked up at the TV and they were talking about the NBA bubble actually happening. The bubble had not started yet. It was set to start on July 30th, but they announced the the, the game times and you know it was going to start with Pelicans versus Jazz and it was going to start with Lakers versus Clippers. And what I said at the time was, I said, I believe the NBA will be a great, NBA bubble will be great exposure for some of the young stars in, in, in the NBA, right? And I said at the time, and I was proven 100% correct, by the way, that, um, you know, a Luka Doncic, a Jason Tatum, a Devin Booker, those are three names that I remember using specifically. Did not mention Jamal Murray, did not mention Donovan Mitchell. But what I said was, more people are at home, the games are scattered, so it's not as though, say, two NBA playoff games are going on at the same time, and say, uh, you know, the Phoenix Suns are going to have to go head-to-head with a Lakers game where everyone's going to watch the Lakers, nobody's going to watch the Suns, and we don't get Devin Booker. So I said, when the schedule was announced, I said, I think this bubble will be great exposure for some of the young players in the NBA, and I was 100% right, where Aaron was wrong. This one I whiffed on. I said that I thought by now the Big Ten would be back on the field. And the reason was very simply this. I believe that the public pressure would eventually lead the Big Ten to cave that you had players suing, you had parents protesting, you had players protesting, you got lawyers involved. And when you got lawyers involved and when you had to turn over documentation, eventually you would be pressured into playing. Well, as of right now, um, we have not seen that. And as of right now, we do not have Big Ten football until at the very least Thanksgiving. But realistically, right now, they're still talking about the winter. I think it's idiotic. But I said that I thought by now we could potentially have Big Ten football. And as I record here Monday night, Big Ten football has no plans to return. Where Aaron was right. Now, this is one that I was definitely right on. And it was the attitude of players and parents towards a college football season. If you remember... I think it was probably, um, you know, it was probably about middle of July, end of July. And I, I came on this show and I said, look, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if we're going to get college football. But the one thing I can tell you is that now that players are back on campus, players and parents are very comfortable with what the schools are doing to protect their kids. Don't know if it means we're going to play. Can't guarantee it with 100%. And obviously, look, some conferences have canceled for various reasons, whether it's the Big Ten, Pac-12, or some of the smaller conferences. But I said, the one thing you do not have to worry about is that players feel safe. Well, I was proven right. Trevor Lawrence comes out and says he wants to play. Justin Fields comes out and says he wants to play. Penny Sewell, who might be the number two pick in the draft, the tackle from Oregon, who actually declared for the draft on Monday, Labor Day weekend, 
They all said we want to play. And I will give the players credit for this. I do believe that that was the turning point for this entire conversation about college football. Because I do believe that some in the media, you know who they are, they were trying to feed you this baloney that the players didn't feel safe, they were being forced against their will, they didn't want to play, they were basically being held at gunpoint to play college football. That was never what I heard. And I tried to, on this show, on Twitter, I said, look, the parents I talked to, the players I talked to, they want to play. I have been proven 100% correct on that, uh, and all the other losers and idiots in the media have been proven wrong. I'm telling you, they want to play. I nailed that one where Aaron was right, <laughs> where Aaron was wrong. Not so good on college basketball. So many of you know me more for college basketball than college football, which is cool. I do both. No big deal. Hate to brag. Find you a guy who can do both. AT can do both. But um, I did say when the Big Ten canceled, I said... I do not believe that until we get major college football that we will get college basketball. And my argument was basically very simply this, was that if we cannot pull off uh, major college football, there's no way to prove that basketball will be safe. Furthermore, if the Big Ten isn't going to start football until January, I don't see how they're starting basketball in November. I said the liability will not be different for basketball than it is for football. Yeah, I was wrong. All these schools are talking about bubbles, talking about playing conference, or not conference, but uh, you know Thanksgiving tournaments in bubbles, so the Maui Invitational, the Battle for Atlantis, go to a bubble, maybe a bubble in Uncasville, uh, Connecticut at Mohegan Sun, right down the road where I grew up, but it appears as though college basketball is going to play. I believe next week is the week that we get an official start date, but it looks as though it's going to be the end of November. It looks as though a bubble is going to be created on campus. It's going to be after kids leave for the Thanksgiving holiday but we are going to get college basketball. I will tell you, I started to feel a little bit better when I had Archie Miller on this podcast, and Archie Miller said, like, look, we in the Big Ten feel like we shouldn't automatically assume that because football is canceled that basketball is, but I did say, look, if there's liability issues in football, they're going to be there in basketball. I did not believe that we would see college basketball for sure until we got major college football. Well, first of all, we're getting major college football this weekend, but I was wrong. We are getting college basketball. Finally, where Aaron was right. <laughs> How about this? How about college football? Okay. Listen, I had some dark moments during this offseason like everybody else, but I do not believe that at any point I truly believed, or I definitely did not say that we are not getting football. There were a lot of people throughout this process. We're not getting football. You can find the articles. Pete Damel wrote an article, oh, you know, prepare for a fall without college football. Pat Forty wrote an article. By the end of this week, all of college football will be canceled. I never said that. I was worried. I was nervous. I was terrified when the Big Ten canceled their season that other conferences would follow suit. But when the SEC, Big 12, and ACC held ground, I said, we might be able to pull this off. We are now three days away from major college football. We are now a week away from basically everybody except for the SEC playing. And then the SEC is playing September 26th. But the point being, where Aaron was right, I said there was going to be college football, never wavered, and I was correct. All right. I think that's it for today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. want to thank you guys for listening. And again, I hope everybody had a great holiday weekend. Really fun weekend for me. Hope you guys were able to get away. And I hope you're ready for college football because it's coming. Uh, college football predictions are in. What I will do on Thursday's show is whatever the new topics are, we'll discuss. I'll also do my gambling picks for people who are new to the show. I do gambling picks every Thursday on this show for the college football weekend. 
Um, and yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, I wish there was SEC. I wish there was ACC, but I will do some gambling picks. I'll post them on, on a website that I do do some writing on, Aaron Torres Online. That's where I make my picks, so make sure to look out for those. But that will be on Thursday's show. And in the meantime, I'm going to get out of here because I got to go for talk for four more hours on Fox Sports Radio this evening. So I hope everybody has a great Tuesday back at work. And that's all for today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. If you have not subscribed, make sure to do so iTunes, the Podcast Addict app, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio. Make sure to rate and review the show like Trent, who said this is his favorite sports podcast. Uh, Also, if you're not following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres. Going to get a podcast-only Twitter page. I want you guys to follow as well. Uh, Instagram, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast. Aaron Torres, podcastquestions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. Shout out to my boy Torrent Craig, who you heard the story about how Torrent Craig came to exist last episode. Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. College football season is here, and we will be back later this week. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 